0: Hello and welcome to Crew Shaken, episode 27.5. We'll call this one The Missing Link. This is Carlo and I talking together today. Good morning, Carlo.
1: Good morning, Tim.
0: And we are talking about our experiences at NOVA Open 2019, which was a month and three weeks ago at this point. It is over the holiday weekend that connects August to September. We are recording this on October 21st, 2019. Thanks for listening. This will be a short segment because we're just going to talk about our experiences at NOVA. We talk about NOVA a lot on the show because it is the biggest local, the biggest slash closest to our homes in the Philadelphia area. Uh, tournament-slash-convention for the miniature wargaming hobby, so we try to go every year. Uh, this year it was a little bit different for us. We normally had gone down and playing in, played in the Trios tournament the last couple of years. Um, through uh, work and scheduling conflicts and uh, just the desire to mix things up a little bit, we approached it a little bit differently. Uh, Lavelle did not go down this year for the first time in uh, probably five or six years, I think, um, Uh, So he's not on the call today, he won't be on this episode, but uh, Carlo and I are here. So Carlo, why don't you kick us off, how was Nova different this year and how was it overall? What was your experience like?
1: Um, You know, like every year, I thought Nova was great. Uh, It was a different experience for me because I was only able to go two days, so it's hard for me to judge it against the past like three or four that we've been to. But, um, you know, I loved it and uh, it did seem a little bit different. Uh, some of the vendors had changed. Um, you know, we didn't get to see cool mini or not, which was a gripe of mine. I think that's more like that. Uh, what see C- you know, that was more their decision than Nova's. So yes. you can't blame Nova for that. Sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, I f- it felt like to me and I had only gone down Thursday and Friday that there was a little less going on, on like the bottom floor where the vendors are like, I don't know, but did you feel that way?
0: I I did. It seemed like there was just less hustle and bustle and I I think it was the best attended Nova ever, but it something about how it was spaced out or or what games were being played when maybe did make it feel like it was a little a uh, little lighter on the attendance. It was easier to get around. For instance, um the Bits guy at Toledo Gaming. I think that's Toledo um with the big huge boxes of plastic bins um <clears throat> there are usually people like on the floor like taking all that stuff apart it's really hard to get around it's great to see because everybody's super stoked to you know uh, root through all the stuff that they have um but it felt like there wasn't quite as much of that going on and there there wasn't there was like a demo game area in the back where they were playing some Marvel game area but it wasn't like the the thrush of people that had been back in that corner in the past um so yes i do agree
1: right right yeah i agreed and then uh there were some newer vendors this year What I really liked. I'd seen, uh, I think we may have talked about it in the episode, but I bought some terrain uh, from a vendor called Epic Questmaster. Uh, that's really cool. And I can't wait to get it painted up. And then uh, the squad marks, obviously, that we talked about. And uh, I, I was sad to see that the Warhammer. Uh, conquest table wasn't there this year obviously la- last year was the first year it had come but i was expecting it to have some consistency oh the champions been, the uh, aos the champions, champions Festival, yes. sorry not conquest yeah. uh yes um and uh i think with the uh you know everything else seemed a bit normal like the f- except for kr multi-case wasn't able to make it That's and right. that was a bummer as well yeah uh, what what, there- what
0: happened there i know you were going to try to buy some stuff
1: uh, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to outfit my Tao with some carrying cases, and I planned to buy everything for them there, but uh, it sounded like they had from, like, the few people I asked about it, they had some travel issues, you know, and they're, uh, they're, I think, based in England as well, or... Um, but I think the the rep that lives here is like he lives here, but he's like he lives like uh, probably like 300 miles away or something. If I remember right, I forget what state it was, but I remember it was quite far. It may have been Florida, um, but um, yeah, it was a bummer, bummer not to see them. And um, I know that they do stuff with the Supernova bags where you get like a BOGO or something like that, or um, they give sometimes give bags away for free, so I'm interested to know how that turned out for those individuals that had purchased Supernova passes or Dwarf Nova bags and, you know, how they were able to redeem those coupons.
0: Um, In your two days that you were down there, what games did you uh, get around to playing? What were your tournaments like?
1: uh, So we drove down Thursday morning this year. Um, I got to play Trios all day Thursday. Um, Went out to dinner uh, just a brief overview of Nalgon and the Trios games. And then Friday, um, woke up, putzed around a little bit, and played a game with Grant uh, off to the side on one of the GT tables that wasn't being used. So, um, other than that, I don't think I got, I didn't really like play any, um, what are they called? Like uh, demonstration games at any of the booths this year. I didn't get to do that. I was kind of short on time. Um, I mostly shopped around downstairs. And um, in terms of the Trios games, so we had uh, obviously three games, three people <coughs> per team. Uh, if uh, the people that aren't familiar, maybe new to the podcast and don't know how Trios works, you, know, you have three people on a team. Um, each game you play, Uh, Each round you play, I should say, you have two games. You have a one solo game, like a 1v1, and then the other four players play a 2v2, right? So, um, And you can only play a 1v1 once throughout the day. So each player on a team plays a 1v1, and then each player also plays a 2v2 with each other player on their team. Um, So the first round, I was playing on my team, and part of the reason why... I didn't play with you guys this year because I wasn't going to go to Nova, um, and then I realized I could kind of fit Thursday and Friday in my schedule, and it was just a month or so before the tournament, and Sasha and Kristoff still hadn't had a third player. Uh, I didn't want to see them be unable to play, so I volunteered to come play You know that day. With so, them.
0: so you got a last-minute team and a last-minute army to boot.
1: Yes, so obviously, if anybody listened to episode twenty-seven, I paint, I built and painted my tau in probably a span of seven to ten days. Woo! Um, yeah, so it was uh, a feat of strength uh, for me, at least. And they're still not really done yet, but um, they look coming along nicely. So we had a good first game. We played against. Basement Wargamers, which are actually a local group. Um, and these, these pairings were done on the Best Coast Pairings app for Trios, so it was like a random quote-unquote pairing. But so first round, we ended up against Basement Wargamers, which were you know, a group that we live probably like 30 minutes from, right? So um, they're in Phoenixville, PA. We're in Philly, um, so you just take 76 across, right? And then uh, second round, we actually played against... Another local Red Caps team, so not even like another town, like our same store. Uh, it's it was uh, three guys, uh, and I'll I'll let you know their names when we get to that round. Sure. And then the third round, we had played some gentlemen I didn't know. Finally, okay. so but, so the so the, uh, the gene pool <laughs> felt a little shallow for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And out of what a hundred and seventy people or something like that this year, it was it was a pack like to give some perspective to the listeners, like the trios originally, I think Joe had said they started with around 19. No, maybe less than that. It was like 17 people or something like that. 18 people. And then um, through the years got, you know, that was like four or five years ago. And now we're at 170 people or so, right? So it kind of speaks to A, how big Nova has become and B, how well they've done running these tournaments in the past, right? Because people wouldn't come back if it wasn't good. So, and Trios is a really enjoyable tournament. Um, With that said, uh, this year, um, first round, we played the Basement Wargamers. Uh, We had played uh, Culp, Nick. Uh, So Sasha and I had played them in the doubles. And then I think, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but I think it was Andrew um, so he had played our teammate Kristoff in the solo match. Uh, we were playing, uh, Sasha and I were playing Imper- Imperial Fists and Tau versus Knights and Admech and some Assassins in there, right? So uh, that game, uh, pretty fun for us. Um, uh, Culp and uh, Nick had not such a great game in terms of roles and positioning. And uh, we had just like, I think, honestly, if I were to make my tournament list again for that, I probably would have, I played like way too competitive of a 1,000 point list, I think. And you know, like, trios can get pretty competitive. So you really just bring something um, pretty strong. But uh, two Riptides and a bunch of drones and it just, Uh, First, they walked their. uh, Nick was playing Imperial Knights, and he brought both of his. um, I think he had a maybe like a gallant, a paladin, or something like that. And one of them was a warlord, and he brought them both down the middle between the two Nova Elves. And we just shot them up first turn. I think we had blown both of them up, and then like slowly picked off the rest of the army throughout the game. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. So. a lot of it was like positioning. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't get the chance to play with those Nova Ls very much. The terrain is so different from regular ITC terrain or pretty much anything else you see. So it's, unless you practice with them a lot, it's hard to position yourself well. Um, especially if you're something like a knight, which really can't hide from anything, right? So, and you have to you have to get across the table to your opponent while not dying. <laughs> yeah, right? for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Can you break down what those Nova L's are that you're talking about for our listeners?
1: Okay, yeah. So um, for anybody that hasn't played at Nova, uh, they have a very unique terrain piece that they have on the table. Uh, it's a twelve by twelve square, so like a foot, uh, one square foot uh, flat piece. And then there's, on half of it, a 8-inch tall by uh, 12 by 12 wall, basically, right? So you have like a little, um, almost a V, what's forming a V or an L, right, on half of the terrain piece. So they when they set them up on the tables, they stagger them. So one L is facing towards one uh, Dawn War deployment area, and then the other L is facing... The other one so you have to be really careful around them because they are considered a like a a ruin right so only infantry can move through the walls but with that said infantry can move through the walls so they can get complete cover hide behind the wall charge you through the wall you know so it's really it's a precarious uh situation if you don't deploy properly against these nova Ls, right, right? And, and they're, they're really...
0: and they're line of sight blocking through and through but the infantry can get through the ground floor yeah
1: exactly right there's so there's no like ground floor right because it's just like one big wall and right. you can't land on top of it right so um basically yeah yeah so there's not i should say there's there's a ground floor but there's not any floor above that right so <laughs> um the uh so it you know it can in that game it didn't really matter much for the charging but the next game we played um i had played my solo game against uh so we played th- three guys from red caps, which i'm th- sure um listeners have to be familiar with one of them which is adam uh we played a lot of games against him he uh is one of like the owners at red caps uh super nice guy knows a lot about the game um i know uh He and uh, he he had played um, with two brothers, uh, Jake and Sam Barnhart. Uh, Really nice guys. Um, Sam and Adam had played with um, who's it? Uh, Sasha and Kristoff in a two v two. And I know that that came down. That game came down to basically just running out of time and. we had kind of barely lost that one. Uh, my one v one against Jake, uh, he was playing Tyranids and Gene Sealers, um, and I really didn't know how to properly play my Tau at this point. I think this was my first game; was the first trios, or I'd played a couple games with Grant. So this was probably my third game. My third game ever with them was the first trios match. Proper battlefield fourth, education, right? <laughs> so, so I ended up. Um, I was really scared to move up the field because I knew, like, with those Nova L's, he could just charge me through the wall, and then. Uh, but he had some Hive Tyrants behind the wall, so it's basically like a stalemate. The first couple turns, he was hiding behind a wall; I was hiding in the backfield, and I, we had gotten. Uh, I think the search and, deplo- search and destroy deployment, where you have the two um, squares, like all opposite of the board with this nine inch circle in the middle you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah it's so like very uh, tight rectangles
0: diagonal exactly. from each other yeah
1: exactly and that one i that's one deployment map i really need to practice with because i never seen to deploy properly on it um and i tried to move around him and move up the i was where i'd sat back for too long basically and then by the time i tried to move up he had just racked so many points that he ended up winning like it was like a blowout like 20 upper 20s to like 2 or something so i really didn't play that game um well at all uh and then but it's a good learning experience and i'll you know i i know now you can be you there is a consequence for turtling up too much right even though it may be an advantage for survivability for an army like Tau, but if you if you do it too much and your opponent knows how to counter it, um, then you, there's not much you, you can do. So you have to move up the field a little bit.
0: Yeah, especially with those trios missions, it's probably to your it's probably a little bit detrimental to castle up like that because the objectives are so kind of far ranging across the table,
1: right? Right. Well, this year that we did ITC missions for trios. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, right. ITC format is it Nova missions, but they're very similar to the ITC missions. Gotcha. So they're um, different. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, and then uh, third round we played against, it was uh, doubles Kristoff and I versus and I can't remember the, the uh, names. I'm sorry for that. The general name we played. Uh, but we were playing against Space Wolves. So we had like dreadnoughts like Bjorn and, and uh, Murder Fang and stuff like that. And Admech. Uh, so he had a squad of nine of those plasma guys what are they called with the uh, 50 millimeter bases oh the uh, cataphrons the cataphrons yeah so and he was like tucked them in the corner and he was shooting uh we were we were trying to kill him and then he had an ability to bring some of them back uh every now and then i'm not sure if it was like a stratagem or a unit that was repairing the unit or something but um it was a slugfest that game, and they had beaten us, but Sasha had won his game so well that we ended up winning the round. So, uh, round wise, we had gone two and one, right? So we lost the second round, uh, but um, I think personally, I'd gone one and two. So losing uh, my solo game and then the last round. Um, that third game. I feel like we. I had kind of deployed in the middle to the, the. Middle to the right. Oh No, I deployed on the right side of the board and Kristoff deployed, started deploying on the left. And we wanted to kind of like fake them out and make them think we were deploying on the left and then switch because he had a stratagem where he can like D3 redeploy. Uh, he was playing Yanari. But um, they had not fallen for it and spread. Well, they kind of like spread their army evenly across the Dawn of War deployment zone. And it ended up just being that we, again, were not pushing forward enough where we had killed most of their army by the end of the game. And if it had gone another turn, we would have probably tabled them, but we just hadn't scored enough points. So always important to remember to play towards the objectives and that was something I was totally forgetting to do that day. Right. So uh, how about you? What'd you do during Nova?
0: So I went down, I had a short schedule this year too, really just in the name of uh, mixing it up a bit and not taking too much time away from what was a very busy uh, work month for me. Um, so I went down on Friday and I stayed through Sunday. Um, I had only booked uh, two classes, two you know, hobby classes. I had booked two games of, kill team or slash recon squads for the long narrative campaign that is run every year by Joe and Colin, which is awesome. Uh, and I had booked a, uh, a game of infinity. Well, what I thought was a game of infinity uh, called the Infinity Night Fight, which I'll talk about last. Um, so I had brought, up, it was really great because I was able to take the train down from Philly to DC. I didn't bother driving. I took a very small Uh, battle foam bag. It was the 352 bag, I think, so it's the smallest, one of the smaller sized battle foam bags, which was great. So I had a rolling piece of luggage in my battle foam bag. In that battle foam bag, I had a Grey Knight Army for the Kill Team games, and I had all of my Yu Jing for Infinity. Uh, Got there Friday. I did not book in time to get in at the... Uh, What's the hotel that Nova's at? It's not the Renaissance. That's where I stayed. The Hyatt. The Hyatt, sorry, yeah. So I didn't get a room at the Hyatt, but I got a room at the Renaissance exactly caddy corner around the, you know, right around the corner from the Hyatt. And the Renaissance is beautiful. The room was was really great. It was much easier to get up and down the escalator to and from the room. It was actually quicker to walk out of the building and go up the elevator in the Renaissance than it was to get up and down the floors of the Hyatt where where Nova is actually held, which is kind of ironic. So I think next year I'll just try to book the Renaissance first. Because was the vibe was just different. You know, it was a little bit quieter. It was a little bit less chaotic. Getting more up and down, right? it was more chill. Yep, they had a great little um, a great bar and a great little cafe where they uh, served you know coffee and baked goods and whatnot in the morning. It was nice. Um, so I got there Friday and I had my first game of Kill Team Friday night. I had never played uh, Grey Knights in Kill Team before, and I hadn't played Kill Team in quite a while. So my first turn um, was a little little rough. I you know messed up my deployment and I just forgot a couple things first turn, but it, it came back pretty quick. Um, I had three uh, three games total of Kill Team, or, the, you know, called Recon Squad for the narrative campaign, uh, two of which were for the campaign, one of which was just for fun off to the side because my first game was really fast. Uh, so my first game, um, I believe I played Mark, and he had uh, Space Wolves Primaris Marines. I had my Grey Knights, obviously. I learned that Grey Knights are actually really powerful if you play them well in Kill Team because of that mortal wound you can throw around with Smite pretty regularly, uh, which came in handy in all of my games. He wound up winning, uh, you know, two wound space marines or, you know, two wound primaris marines are pretty, pretty hard to take down. And he played them really well. He said he was in the middle of a very long kill team campaign back with the people he plays with uh, back home. So he was really sharp with his space wolves. He knew what he was doing. He had a lot of experience with them. Uh, So he won that game pretty quickly. Uh, my second game was just a fun game um, against Chris, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was super fun. He was relatively new to Kill Team as well, um, but was keen to practice because he was playing in the Kill Team GT the following day, You know, the, the, the really competitive Kill Team stuff. Uh, so that was a really super fun game. He's a great guy. Um, the next night, um, I went back and I played uh, Brian from Indiana, Pennsylvania. What's up, Brian? Uh, Brian and I had an awesome game. Brian has been painting uh, Citadel, Warhammer, GW miniatures for almost 30 years, he said, but had just recently started playing games with them. He was funny. He just he says, yeah, I have all this stuff in my house, but I, I finally figured I should just start using them for what they're intended to be used for, you know? Um, so we, we had a really, really fun game. He had a beautiful uh, Dark Eldar army, a bunch of witches and some crazy characters running around. It was really, really cool. Uh, we had used, in all three of my games, we had used the Arena Objective cards, and I don't know if we were playing it strictly according to the arena rules, but it gives you like an. A, it, it's basically like your objective. It's like an objective card kind of thing, but it was really. They were really cool. I, I might actually buy the arena box. Are they,
1: were they the Nova specific ones? Yes. I know they the, gave those out last year. Okay.
0: Exactly. So these yeah. were the Nova specific kill team mission cards. Yes. Which, Did which, you get to keep them? Yeah. Yep. 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 Awesome. I kept, I kept a set. Which to get really a, cool.
1: Game in with those. I yeah. I,
0: I wish I would have brought them upstairs from downstairs. I would read them to you. But uh, but at any rate, they they give you basically another way to score some victory points, which is really cool. So Brian and I had a, a you know really great game. His army was beautiful. Uh, we were playing in the um, there's like a smaller section of the uh, convention floor space off to the side where they had a number of really tight. Uh, like, a, like a tightly packed together Kill Team tables, which was actually really cool because the table next to us was having a really good game and we were having a good game, so the vibe was really great as we were playing. Um, and we were able to ask rules questions, you know, across the table because, you know, Kill Team is awesome because the, the board is so small. You can sit and just have a game on a tiny tabletop and there's another game happening on a tiny tabletop right next to you. It was, it was really cool. So that was the second night of Kill Team. Really enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely continue to play the Grey Knights, for kill team, especially with those falchions getting additional attacks and everything, is really nice. Uh, you could take a bunch of them. Uh, it was cool. It, it was super fun. I look forward to, to doing more of that. I'd like to get uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll hit you up for a game on your on your uh, kill team terrain versus your some
1: Primaris uh, Space Wolves. So can, oh yeah, that sounds great. Got to get back up to speed with that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's funny how I noticed, and this is before the recent Marine supplement updates, but. A lot of the armies that were weaker in forty K were actually a lot stronger in Kill Team, which is really nice. Like you said, the Grey Knights. That's definitely uh, the case
0: with the Grey Knights, yeah. yes.
1: Primaris Intercessors, which were like decent. They weren't bad, but they weren't amazing for a long time, you know what I mean? But from day one in Kill Team, they were pretty good.
0: They're really good at Kill Team. Yes. Really good. Uh, and then the the on Saturday night I played the Infinity Knife fight. So I have played maybe four or five games of infinity tops in the last couple of years, right? We, I don't get to play it very often. I love the models. I flip through the you know the 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 lore book and the, and the rule book every now and again just cause I think the world is really cool. I like the you know the vibe of the
1: game. I, I, I like Yeah the game's it's a, an amazing game. I think it's just very intimidating with how big the rule book is and how complicated the rule set is. It is complicated. Yes. It <laughs> is complicated. <laughs> I think it's one of those games where you need to be fully invested in it in a way that like Like, you can't be split between 40k and Infinity. Like, you need to be an Infinity player. It's
0: a great point. It's it's very hard to be a casual, good, and have fun Infinity player. (laughs) It's very difficult. Um, Which is why I signed up for the Night Fight, because this was after the tournament day was over. And I figured they would be, you know, maybe more narrative games, a little bit lighter you know, not as competitive. Maybe it's people who didn't want to compete in the tournament during the day, or it's people who just still wanted to keep playing after the tournament was done and, you know, drink some beer and throw some dice around and have a little bit of a more casual game. And it turned out to be exactly that, but with this really amazing twist, right? So I get there with my whole army in my bag. Turns out the way they have this evening set up, and I just, I love this idea so much. Everybody picked one model. And Infinity is based, uh, there's different size models. So this was an S2. So it was basically like an infantry, like a large infantry model that you could bring. And using the Infinity uh, app on your phone or on a tablet or PC or whatever, you could outfit that model as a specialist. So basically the 40K equivalent would be like if you had a Terminator and just gave them a bunch of relics. Like you made just one super badass Inquisitor or one super badass Terminator or one super badass you know, Sicarian Infiltrator, whatever, you know, whatever. Any, like, super, like, beefed-up elite uh, 40K model, that's the equivalent to what we were doing for the Infinity Night fight. So I had taken, you know, I had picked, like, a, a, you know, just a regular infantry guy, gave him a bunch of stuff, and, you know, they give you a certain number of points to spend on upgrades for your model. So I had upgraded one model a bunch of, you know, a a bunch, basically, and put the, the rest of my army bag aside. So it turns out I only needed the one model. And then throughout the space which is, you know, there's probably 20 24 gaming tables in this big conference room area, you know, it's a pretty big pretty big area. They had set up four different zones, right? And then they and each zone had a different dungeon master. So somebody was in control of each zone who was on the, you know, the TO team. They had assigned one person to each zone. At the head of the room, they had a bar. And the bar was not a place where you could buy drinks, but it was a place where you could spend money. And they assigned a certain group of players to each zone to start the game off. There was a exit and an entrance from each zone that would take you to another table based on how you left or entered a room. So they had kind of a map in mind, you know, like a connected system of tunnels or what have you that would connect each zone to the next. And it was amazing. So you started playing, and the DMs were great. They knew exactly what to do. They're like, okay, you, you know, the, there's four people in this zone. You hear... And you just, you just basically just says go. So the first player, you know, we picked who was going to play first. Okay, what do what do we see? What do we smell? What's the vibe of the room? Do we hear anything, etc. Okay, you hear some whimpering over in the corner. Okay, so let's go check out this corner. You know, and it unfolded very much like a game of D and D, but using the stats and the system of Infinity. And where it got really fun was you could. Really it was it was really great, right? And f- for like doing like really cool narrative things or like being in character for the game, they would give you money. It was like, uh, uh, you know, fake, uh, like Monopoly money. So you could earn money and you could go to the bar and buy things, which were more buffs for your character, or it was just all, it was all kinds of weird stuff you could buy. It was awesome. At one point I wound up buying a rubber ducky. Um, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with the rubber ducky. It turns out you could, at one point in the game, you could put the rubber ducky down in front of your character to get a cover bonus. It was like just something you could hide behind because it was exactly the height of an S two model for Infinity. So you had this rubber you put it in front of your character, and you, you could get cover wherever you were. It was awesome. Um, there were like uh, you know multi-spectrum goggles you could buy, which was this huge rubber ball with an eyeball in the middle of it that would be duct taped to your shoulder when you bought it from the bar, and you could use that in a round to get you know to get the visors on your character. That was really awesome like the vibe was really great everybody was having fun there was somebody walking around with a bottle of whiskey and you could buy a shot of whiskey or maybe if you did a shot of whiskey you got like a mysterious buff or you know something of that nature where you know to encourage the uh, the good vibes going you could get uh, something extra for your character for imbibing a little bit um and so while we're playing there uh, Gutierrez-Lasquinos, who designed Infinity, who runs the game, who it's, it's his it's his game, is sitting in the middle of room of the room, kind of just drawing something in a sketchbook and whatnot. He's just kind of looking, you know, he's, he's he's been there several times before. He seems like he's very well connected to the the Nova Infinity community, so he's there just kind of hanging out, taking some notes in his book. He's walking around, uh, watching some of the games. You know, people are interacting with him. It was really funny. And at the end of the evening, it was like probably two and a half hours of, or three hours of play between bouncing all these teams across these different tables. And it, there was kind of a progression to it. And all the teams wound up at the last table where Gutierrez was playing basically the the final boss right he had this enormous model uh, and and it was him versus basically like thirty people who all had a single model each. It was amazing at, at one point I, I just I just gave up because i couldn't it was it was just chaos right there was just so many dice getting thrown around, and his robot was so strong. I honestly don't know how it ended. i think I assume we took down the robot eventually, and that was the end of the game like and the robot was great. I forget the company that makes it I think it was. can't think of the name but it looks like the the big tall two like the, the two-story robot that was in the robocop movie um, i forget the case a big resin model i forget who makes it i think that's what gutier was playing
1: but the, but it, I it was odd that they wouldn't they would pl- he would play a, a miniature that's not from his company which I is kind of cool yeah i don't think it do was that. a
0: Corbus belly mini i don't think yeah. it was because it was so huge it was like an eight inch tall maybe a nine inch tall model, right? And I don't think they make anything that's that large, unless it's some crazy sculpt that somebody had done for him for this kind of event, which might well be the case. And I might be mistaken. It might not have been a third party Marty at all, model at all. It might be a custom Corvus Belly piece, but, but it was really cool looking. He was having a great time, obviously enjoying himself, playing against all these other, you know, really enthusiastic Infinity players at the end of a tournament day, at the end of this really great narrative, like role-playing style infinity game so it was great for me because it was super casual nobody was upset that i couldn't remember my uh my willpower check and i couldn't remember all these stats it was really the vibe was really great um the more stuff you did in character the more money you got which was super fun so everybody was really treating it like a like a proper D and D session with you know whis- whiskey flying around and money getting spent on these absurd uh, buffs for the characters so that's pretty rad like so you just played one mini yep exactly one mini the whole time and and you could you could get like some characters could heal that mini if you were about to die so no i don't think anybody actually like suffered a permanent death because there was ways you could come back it was it was really super fun it would be really easy to translate that over to a 40k kill team session too where you could have one one elite uh from the kill team elites book you know one elite model and kind of work through a you know, a narrative evening of play across a couple of different terrain, a couple of different game tables. You know, it was, it was super cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, it was really fun, and the vibe was good. the uh, The tournament organizers there, who Lavelle knows really well, he's played Infinity down there a bunch of times in the in the competitive tournament. He has always spoke very highly of those guys, and it was well deserved. Uh, they they knew they they knew how to keep the vibe right. They knew how to keep the the evening flowing well. It was it was really great and I, I would definitely do it again next year and I would definitely like to play more infinity down there next year. So I'll, I'll try to get, you know, try to get more games in this coming year and maybe do some of the, uh, the daytime infinity stuff. Um, I had taken two classes that I mentioned. One was a freehand painting class with Eddie. Um, Eddie paints X-wing miniatures for the most part. And it was a free freehand painting class. They did a great job with it. The, uh, they had those really great overhead cameras and you could get a really good look at their technique and how they apply um, freehand to those, you know, the really tiny X-Wing models. It was, it was really nice. And then my Sunday class was with Matt DiPietro doing a display base, do a base building, almost like miniature diorama building class. And what was great was Matt focused on one uh, piece that he had done and kind of walked through the entire process of putting it together and he had a great slideshow. Uh, that, uh, that documented the entire process of building this piece. The model was a Dark Age model uh, called Mongo. He had called it Mongo. Mongo Gets a Boo Boo was the name of the piece, and it was basically this big ogren-looking thing with a piece of glass stuck in his big toe, and he was walking through this post-apocalyptic kind of garbage dump, like trash heap kind of shaped thing. He had built the whole miniature diorama into a broken wine bottle base, so it was a round base, but you could see the glass kind of coming up along the backside. And the the whole vibe and how Matt broke it down and the composition elements involved and breaking up the lines. And it was really great. Matt's a great teacher. His enthusiasm is just, just, just awesome. Uh, to hear him talk about one piece for, I think it was a two-hour class, if I'm not mistaken, was really great. He did a deep dive into how he would use um, things like cigarette rolling papers to make super tiny cans of spray paint to litter the ground with around the model. Uh, he <laughs> That's had, awesome. He, it was just great. <laughs> he, had, a great idea. he had cut up trash bags and applied um, like a gel medium to them to make really tiny trash bags with little zip ties, like miniature zip ties he had made and whatnot. So it was really, it was cool to hear him go deep into his process and how he thought about the piece from the beginning and how he saw it through to the end. It was really, it was really, really great. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit.
1: He's an amazing artist. Like, just a few of the pieces, that, and he'd shown us the... Uh, I forget the name of the piece, but it's the uh, one where the child is being ferried on the catfish across the desert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, his work is, is something else. So it was, it, was, it was nice to see him, and it was nice to, to just hear him talk about his process, really. It wasn't... There was no uh, specific technique. Like, we didn't get a mini to paint or anything. It was more of a lecture, but I, but I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. Um, on the shopping side of things... I got some great, I think I mentioned in episode 27, I got some great fluff from white metal, or a flocking material from White Metal Games. I bought some Infinity uh, model size markers from... um forget the name of the company now. Game Envy, maybe? Um, I bought some brushes and some plinths, you know, the wooden things you attach a bust to from Game-, Game Envy. That's what I bought. From Game Envy, I got the plinths, and he had done these really cool ones where... Uh, it was a, wood, a wooden piece, but then he had filled in all the gaps with resin, so it made a cube of wood and colored resin together. It was really cool looking. I did wind up springing, I may have mentioned in the previous episode, I sprung for the, the event-only GW objective markers, those coins, those brass-colored coins. They're cool.
1: Uh, I saw those. Yeah, they're pretty rad. It was pretty cool, yeah. yeah. And,
0: <laughs> it was pretty cool. And I picked up um, Honorbound, which is a Rachel Harrison novel about the commissar Severina rain which was just recently put out on soft cover the hardback is really hard to find and very expensive and I'd been looking forward to reading that because I had read a short story in the I think it was black library celebration 2019 just the free book they give out um, I had read that short story really liked her character and I was, I was stoked to read the novel so I wound up uh, buying that softback and the uh, the coins from the GW booth and that's all the purchasing I did I had I, I Tried to keep it light because I was on the train, right? So I wasn't about to buy like a ton of you know, a ton of boxes of models or anything. Um, it was cool to be down there and see Anvil 8 games, the folks that make Ethereum. That's where we learned about Ethereum was at Nova a couple of years ago. They do a pretty good job of, currying, of covering all the cons. They usually send people out. Um, Brian was there from Anvil 8 and Daria, whom in the past we have met through um, their running of the uh, uh, Dark Age tournament. For cool mini or not, but the fact that cool mini or not wasn't there was a bummer because we couldn't pick up any new miniatures for Wrath of Kings or Dark Age. Um, but Daria was there with um, Anvil Eight, so we got to you know chat with them for a while. That was awesome. They're really excited about Ethereum as well. The new faction that you got, Carlo, looks awesome. The Wardens of Tionran, super yes. cool. Um, I'm psyched. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they're 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 doing some really cool things. They have a RPG book out with a new. Uh, you know, a, a RPG set in the Ethereum universe, which they said they had a really, um, they were very successful with at GenCon this year, and there was a good amount of people playing demo games at their booth. So I hope that was a hope it was a good convention for them. They'll be at uh, PAX Unplugged here in Philly as well in uh, December, the first week of December. So it was a great, uh, it was a great Nova. Making it a shorter trip was kind of nice. Um, Three days was good. I would definitely, you know, if, if it works out schedule-wise again, I would definitely do trios if we can, uh, you know, get the band back together, so to speak, for next year. Um, I would definitely play some more Kill Team down there. That was really fun. And uh, the Infinity crowd was great. The vibe was good. So it was that encouraged me to uh, pay, more attention, pay more attention to my Infinity stuff in the coming year in anticipation of trying to get some games in while I'm down there next year.
1: Right, so for the 10th anniversary, uh, I, I don't want to forget to... Um describe what they did special. They had gotten a bunch of uh uh dinosaur costumes for Nova and were running around with them, those like rubber T Rex. Is that costumes. what that was? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, oh, who made a new dinosaur game, but it was for the convention. Okay. It was for the convention. Yeah, that was like the theme. They had like the dinosaurs with lasers on the shirts. If you had gotten like a Nova shirt for this year. Um it was cool. It was cool. It was a lot of fun um i wish i'd been there for saturday and sunday cuz that's really when like the the conventions starts to uh show its you know kind of, kind of um you know true self right a lot of people are starting to enjoy themselves by that point you've got yes. the settle in phase yes yes right? so. Yeah, that, that's true. And people who don't spend the weekend just
0: come for the day. And there is a good amount of, uh, you know, there's more people there on Saturday and Sunday just by nature of it being the weekend,
1: too. I'm wondering if, so next year, I think they are doing it at the same place. Um, I've heard chatter that they might be moving eventually uh, just based on capacity, right? Because they, I'm sure, I think they had like several thousand people. Through the course of the weekend this year, right? It's not just like a couple hundred. It's like they had like seven thousand people or something crazy. But I'm not sure the exact number on that. But whatever it was, it's a lot. And the elevators have, you know, gone through the same troubles. Yeah, like
0: packing, last year
1: pack, pack, packing <laughs> a bunch of folks in there
0: with either you know armies in a bag or display trays with two thousand points of whatever on them is not easy. To you can't fit a lot of those in an elevator, so it does make no. for a makes for a slow ride up and down.
1: You know, I think as a whole, I mean, what would you rate this year compared to previous years? Um, like a number.
0: So a big minus is the fact that you and I weren't at the bar together every night having gin and tonics and light beers. So that was a big minus for me. So that that the whole. Yep, that's 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 minus a bunch. You know, part of the you know part of the vibe is just being there with friends, and, and, you know, doing stuff that you normally don't, don't have a ton of time to do in real life, you know, so I missed that part of it in a big way, um, but overall, you know, getting games of Kill Team in with really great people was awesome, getting the Infinity Night fight was such a nice surprise, didn't really know what I was getting into, but I'm so glad that's what I got into that night, and, you know, taking a class with Matt and with Eddie was really great, so, um overall i think it was a you know a solid seven out of ten uh diminished only by the fact that uh, trios didn't happen with uh you and lavelle and the fact that you know there wasn't as many people around over the weekend that i knew to hang out with such as yourself you know which is always a treat
1: yeah it seemed like there were less familiar faces right so i mean we saw uh always great to see sydney um he's the gentleman we met the first year uh yeah and uh I love seeing him. I wish I could have gotten like. I I feel like we never get games in with those guys anymore, right? Because we like played, we met them like the first year we played trios, playing against them, and then it's like we almost don't see them regularly. And I think that's because those guys play a lot of the narrative uh, events. Yeah, like him and and Tim. I don't know if you know Tim, the guy that played um, Imperial Knights last year. Uh, We played him in a trios game, but um, he was actually working for Nova as a volunteer this year, running around. You may have seen him in like the. One of the high five vests with the little pockets and stuff, right? They, uh, I think, I think maybe next year, I wish I could say that I was going to do the narrative, but we're doing that competitive team now. So I'm going to have to do the GT. I'm going to go play about three games of Trios and then what, eight games of GT? Uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, serious energy bars and Red Bull next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would yep. be
0: interested in doing Infinity next year and maybe some AOS too, because I've been getting in some games of AOS recently with my Iron Jaws and really enjoying the new Iron Jaws book. So that's uh, that's something I'll keep on the radar too. Okay, cool, awesome. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back uh, in a few weeks with a normal uh, episode twenty-eight with uh, the three of us. Lavelle will be joining us for that one as usual. For Krushak and I have been Tim
1: and I've been Carlo. Thanks for listening.